0: Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. This week, Jason Griffing joins us from Littleton, Colorado, where he is Director of Product at One Vision Resources. Jason and I have known each other for quite a while, first as fellow guests on AV Nation's Resi Week podcast, while he was director of business development for the custom integration company Harrison Home Systems. Then he moved on from there and through the ranks at OneVision, the company that has made an art out of the, of outsourced remote service for the CI channel. One Vision has a new service called ProVision that we're going to learn a little bit more about in our conversation. Jason will walk us through the concept behind the new service and how custom integrators can use it to develop a clearer pathway towards selling service plans to their clients and establishing recurring monthly revenue. Jason Griffin, great to see you again. Thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: You and I uh, are podcasters extraordinaire, uh, much more veteran from your side. You've been doing podcasting forever. You kind of took a pause on that recently, but I am expecting the best quality audio, and we're going to totally match with our bald heads, our dark yeah. glasses, and our dark uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shirts. Yeah, we so. we
1: got our outfit uh, we got our outfit coordination dialed in today, so we'll see if we can match that on the uh, on the audio and uh, and production side.
0: There you go. Right. Um, well, you and I we did speak recently because um, you reached out about this ProVision introduction and wanted to give me just a little bit of a brief on it before the press release came out, and. Uh, as you know, I had um, Joey Koljenski, the One Vision Resources founder on our podcast earlier in the year, and we, we yep. did the full story, the background story of how he came up with One Vision and where his background was. And so we don't need to go completely full origin story of One Vision, but I'm sure there are plenty of people that didn't get a chance to, to catch up on that one. So we'll touch on some of that as we talk Um but then I also wanted to just get to know you better as I do on these podcasts. Um, I was surprised at how many different really um, well-known integration companies that you have worked with, with in your career throughout the Western U.S. And th- these are just sort of the name brands that that I know out there. Could you walk us through just a little bit of that career path? Um, yeah. And, and, and well, just wh- what was your first... Integration company that you worked for?
1: Yeah, I was uh, initially um, up here in Colorado, up in the Vale Valley, uh, probably early two thousands. Uh, it would be roughly the uh, the timeline here. And um, at the time, I was working for a company that did live audio for big like conferences and conventions inside of a hotel up there. Um, that job, for various reasons, just was no longer sort of satisfying me at the time, and I started looking around the Vale Valley to find other opportunities. And uh, there was a small company up there in the Vale Valley at the time, uh, doing this stuff. Uh, they were called Current Technologies. I'm actually candidly not sure if they're still around. It's a pretty small small business, um, but they they were the first ones to sort of take a chance on me with no experience uh, in the home uh, integration industry. Uh, they they took a small chance on me and, and brought me on, and that was really where uh, where it all started. So I started. You know, pulling the wires around in the crawl spaces and doing pre-wires and things like that. Pretty quickly moved up to to trim work and, and finish work in the in the racks and things of that nature. Um and then shortly after that, life took me out to Southern California, okay. uh, where I lived for about seven or eight years and really had some awesome opportunities to work with some great companies out there, including uh, Roberts Home Audio as well as DSI, right around the time that they became part of VIA. So I was part of the the whole VIA experiment, which was really uh, you know, we all know how that ended, but it was great experience for me and I really enjoyed, uh, my time there. Yeah, um, that was, yeah, th- those so are two really, yeah, those two, um, Southern California companies are super
0: well-respected and of course the VA thing, I, I like to maybe just dive into that a little bit in a minute, but, uh, that transition from, from doing pro, um, I guess, corporate event, uh, live, live performance, live presentation type AV, Uh, that, that seems like a kind of a good transition to custom. Uh, how did you even find out about this industry? Were you aware of CI before you uh, got that first job in it?
1: Yeah, not really. Not really. I was actually just online uh, looking at different job mm. sites. And I don't remember sort of what search terms I was using or anything specifically <laughs> like that. But, you know, I was just poking around the internet at the time looking for jobs uh, related to audio and technology. And I stumbled across this listing for that company in the Vale Valley. And I thought, hey, that sounds really cool, yeah. you know? And I started digging into the internet and just looking at all of the cool things that people were doing inside of homes. And I thought, what a great match for... My you know passions and where I where I want to be and in college, I'd done an interdisciplinary studies degree, which was basically a, a program that they had at the University of Northern Colorado, where you could like essentially build your own degree. There was a lot of parameters and you had to go through an approval process and it was pretty rigorous, but the degree that I put together was audio engineering and business administration. so I just knew that I really enjoyed audio, I really enjoyed technology, and I also have always had kind of an entrepreneurial business streak in me. And so the opportunity to mesh those together was was uh, was great, and I took advantage of that. So when I found the home technology business and saw all of the cool things that were happening inside of the homes, I thought, what a great what a great synergy! And I think I'm not terribly unique. Like I've talked to a lot of people in the industry who sort of came up through this similar live audio or audio engineering background and, and ended up here in uh, in the CI channel. What
0: roles you, you played? All the roles that seemed to come along as you work your way up through the ladder at a CIA company, what would you say was the sweet spot of what you uh, felt more uh, inclined to to enjoy or or were good at? Uh, yeah, the sweet roll. spot
1: for me was was definitely project management. So like I said, I started out like most of us uh, doing the pre-wires and things like that and then got into finish and trim work. That eventually led me into programming, which I did for uh, for a number of years. I was a Savant programmer back in the early days of, uh, of Savant for several years when I was working there at Roberts, uh, but eventually got into doing project management. And I think that was where I really hit my stride. It was just a great fit for the way that I work. I'm kind of a, a stickler for details. I'm hyper-organized and and really just enjoyed the process of, of becoming a project manager and and really seeing projects through this kind of from that early stage of it's really you know, just an idea on a piece of paper, right? It's a proposal, it's a bill of materials, and it's sort of this concept in people's minds and and bringing it from that abstract concept to reality and getting to see and be involved in all of the phases um, along the way really suited my, my taste. So yeah, definitely um, project management was where I hit my stride in the industry. Also did a number of years um, after that doing more like operational management, even tried my hand at sort of business development and sales, had some moderate success there, but it wasn't really a, a great fit I found for for my personality. I didn't wake up every day and find myself excited uh, to go do sales the same way that I did um, with project management and sort of operations. So that, that was really where I kind of staked my claim. I can see how you, I, I think that would probably be the role that I would, uh,
0: uh, if I ever did end up working for a custom integration firm. And I briefly, considered it when I was in between uh, magazine gigs but uh, the honestly the pay wasn't there <laughs> um, <laughs> the big the big, uh, big paycheck that you get in journalism it's it's not much yeah. honestly but <laughs> it's uh, it was more than a project manager was getting paid at least the place I was looking yeah but I think that type of role for for what my skill set is uh, would would be a good fit I also would not want to be an owner or supervisor of, of a huge team so uh, it sounds like you maybe weren't drawn to what so many guys do, which is venture out on your own and try to open your own integration company. Uh, did that never really appeal to you?
1: Yeah, it it actually didn't for a, a variety of reasons. Um, and you know, interestingly enough, that was kind of what led me eventually to moving over to the vendor side um, okay. of the business. Is that I had gone through so many different roles in the industry and, and, uh, had really identified, you know, what I loved to do. And, and again, project management was great, immensely challenging role in the integration business. I know anyone out there who's, who's done any project management can, can, uh, relate and, and likely agrees that, you know, it's just, it's really difficult. Every project is so unique. There are different stakeholders involved with every project, different timelines, different personalities. And, uh, in that world, unlike, you know, in, in sort of more tech companies or, or traditional vendors, Uh, A lot of times project managers will have, you know, maybe one, two, three projects that they're managing. Um, It's not unusual for a project manager in the integration space to be managing up to 10 or a dozen different projects at a time. So there's a lot going on and I really enjoyed it, but it it definitely is, um, you know, it, it it can burn you out after a while. And yeah. so I was trying to figure out sort of what what my next move was, and that eventually led me, uh, you know, moving over to the vendor side of the business, which we can, you know, get into more of the details there.
0: Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I was curious. Now, was Harrison uh, your your last uh, stop as an integrator working with One Vision? Uh, it as, was. As a- Okay. So yeah, you're familiar. yeah. And it was a really
1: exciting time at Harrison. You know, I came on right around the time, and and they're just doing great. I think it was last year they won like the CTA Integrator of the Year award. Um, that was obviously several years after I had left, so I, I stake no claim and responsibility uh, for that. But I, I came on at a time when the company was really starting to hit its stride and. Um, They had been doing awesome things before that, obviously, but was, you know, felt fortunate to be a part of a time where really they were um, establishing themselves firmly as one of the go-to integrators here in the Denver market for luxury uh, residential and um, really uh, enjoyed my time there at the company. But yeah, that was my last, my last role as a, as an integrator before I moved over to the vendor yeah,
0: And and I'll throw in my, my great joke here. Uh, That's always so funny, but you got to work for a Beatle uh, while you were there. Too. That's right, George Harrison. George Harrison, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I G- say, George. yeah. He, he's never heard that before, so yeah. I, I, I always throw that to him. He's a good, he's a really yeah. good guy. He he often contributes uh, stuff to the magazine as well. Uh, like working yeah, with him. Um, yep. so so uh, you and I will continue our conversation. I want to definitely dive into One Vision and, and Provision as well. So, uh, but first, let's
1: take a short break. Do you want superior smart home automation at a great value? Shelly Wi-Fi relays by Ultraco Robotics cover DC to line voltage, allowing you to control lights, outlets, appliances, garage doors, pumps, and much more. There are Shelly sensors and power measurement devices to help you measure temperature, humidity, lux, or motion, and electrical consumption from single wire to three phase with neutral. You can use Shelly with a licensed driver for Control 4, Elon, or other premium systems, as well as your customer's existing hub, voice assistant, or any platform that accepts REST, MQTT, or COAP. Shelly can make IoT very easy. Available now at Blackwire, City Electric Supply, and Worthington, or at ShellyUSA.com.
0: Welcome back. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, and I'm talking with Jason Griffin, director of product at One Vision Resources. Uh, before we di- really get into One Vision stuff, uh, you you were an early uh, podcaster in this space, which I thought um, was so scary <laughs> when I knew you were doing that. And I, I was just becoming a guest once in a while on Resi Week, and we'd cross paths there, and I'm like Man, this guy's like doing it. He's got so many podcasts under his belt. Um, that, that was that. Did that start when you were at Harrison, or before when you started doing podcasts?
1: Yeah, I think that actually started when I was still at uh, Via. That started. Oh, okay. uh, I want to say back in twenty. 20- 14 I just like you said recently decided to take a break from that it was a home the home tech podcast and we started that when I was uh, when I was still an integrator and, and that was actually part of the reason I decided to take a break is that as I had uh, moved over to the vendor side of the business um, I'm not working with the technology in the home day-to-day hands-on sure. the way that I used to and that was really kind of the the premise of the show was was myself and Seth Johnson who's also uh, former integrator but still works in the channel and we were really just talking about our experiences as home technology professionals and really analyzing a lot of the trends that were going on in the smart home and if you sort of rewind time in your head you know that was around the time that Nest got purchased by Google and I always half jokingly described the smart home as You know, sort of. There was the pre-nest and post-nest acquisition, sort of like BC and AD, right? It was like everything sort of changed once that happened, and that was really marked in my mind a turning point in the smart home where um, companies like Google and Apple and Amazon and others like that started started entering the space. So a lot of what we focused on in our sort of six years of of doing that show weekly was what what are these trends, what are they about, what do they mean for home technology professionals, um, what what sort of unique Lens or take? Can we put on these things based on our experience as home technology professionals and this, this growing do it for me and do it yourself trend in the smart home? So yeah, we did that show for about six years weekly. I think we we put in about five hundred or so episodes. If I'm doing my math right, I can't can't quite recall. Uh, but it's still going, and Seth has—he's uh, carried the torch forward, and he's c- still continuing to do the show. Again, you can find it at uh, HomeTech FM, and yeah, I had my numbers off. He's on episode 367 oh, now, okay. so I think we were still at, a lot um, 300 and change when I when I step back.
0: Yeah, we're at 74 and I thought we were really making progress. And then I saw that number. I'm like, yeah, I got a, a
1: while here. To <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one episode catch. at a time, right? And it, and <laughs> yeah. it went by fast. Like it, it was uh, really great. I loved doing it. Um, have carried that experience with me into a lot of different areas where where I work today. Um, just getting comfortable behind a microphone, getting comfortable in front of a camera. Um, those those are great sort of experiences for anyone. And I, I'd encourage anyone who has a passion for any topic to you know, consider... Consider giving it a try because it really forces you to to kind of look at the industry or whatever topic you're you're interested in in a different way, and it forces focus and and I again really enjoyed uh, my time doing that.
0: Yeah, it makes me organize my thoughts a lot more too, um, and because you know you're going to be exposed if you don't have your your act together coming. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so, um, exactly. It's it's helpful. So let's let's switch to to your your transition there to one one vision. So uh, obviously Harrison seem must have really felt comfortable or that service was an important ingredient. And it sounds very, uh, basic to say that, but a lot of companies just don't have a handle on how to provide after the installation service and create a plan that they don't end up losing money on, I guess. Um, one vision steps in and has, has a great scenario where you can basically outsource that and do triage and things like that. So um, what, what is it, what was your experience from the dealer side working with One Vision before you joined the company?
1: Yeah. So, so interestingly, we, we actually didn't work, uh, with One Vision at Harrison, uh, but we were in the midst of developing our own, um, service. Plan there, server oh, okay. service program, I should say, at the time, and one of the big lessons that I learned from doing that is that you know on the surface, like it can actually seem kind of simple to develop a service program. It's like, okay, well, we just need to create a few different service plans, figure out what's going to be offered in each one of those service plans, and then go tell our clients about it and sign them up, and everything will be great. And it's really not until you start peeling back the layers of that onion that you realize, uh, you know, everything is simple until you start, right? And once you did once once we sort of dug into that. It's uh, tremendously difficult. There was a lot of decisions we had to make. You know, what what do we structure? How many plans do we offer? Um, what do each one of those plans include? How do we price those plans? How are we going to present them to clients? What platform do we want to use to host the landing page? How are we going to process payments? et cetera, et cetera. And the list goes on and on. And, and the, the difficult thing is that in the typical integrators environment, you know, it's, it's a resource constrained environment. I've, I've never worked at an integration company that didn't have people wearing multiple hats and, and already spread pretty thin. It's kind of inherent in the business model that you get into that position. And the more successful you are, the more challenging that can sort of become. You almost become a victim of your own success. And so the challenge really was, how do you get somebody to develop the service program uh, who's already got so many other irons in the fire? There's a, a saying from I forget his name, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but it's one of the leaders at Amazon says, you know the the great the greatest way to stifle innovation is to make it somebody's part time job, yeah. and uh, the idea there is that you know like innovating and, and really reinventing the way that you approach service inside of the, the walls of an integration company is a very difficult thing to do if you're tasking somebody with that part-time. And so that's, that is where a company like One Vision comes in. And you, of course, alluded to the fact that we do this triage and white label support, and we can talk more about the specifics there, but, but do want to take the opportunity to emphasize that, that it's, it's, it's more than that. Like we help integrators really, um, Get their arms around service as a whole in a very holistic manner, and so all of those things that I mentioned before—creating um, the service plans, figuring out how to price them, what's included in those, how to market them to clients, process signups, manage those subscriptions, market them—you know—all of those things are are included in the One Vision platform. It's all turnkey. So we really try to take a holistic look at service and not not just look at sort of solutions in a vacuum.
0: And take me through on this idea of Provision. You explained to me that some of the uh, challenges that integrators have faced even with a program from OneVision available to them was when do you bring it up to the client um yeah. you have to you have to just really introduce the idea that you're going to need after the sale or after the project's complete um you know the terminology better than I do but uh service just because of the nature of these of this technology um it it's network based it's computer based it's going to have things that need to be uh, updated or adjusted, sometimes rebooted, we're we're going to do that for you. But we need to get paid for it, I guess. You know, <laughs> um, so so you need to bring that up at a certain point so that the Sounds expectation obvious, right? is set, yeah. right? So so take us through some of that, um, some of those hiccups that maybe occurred with integrators not really bringing that up early enough, and how you're trying to remedy that with a new program.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, draw a lot on my personal experience as a project manager. And in uh, when I mentioned I did operations as well, like a lot of that, uh, I got involved in, in servicing clients after the sale. And what I observed a lot as a both a project manager and an operations person in, in integration companies was that clients were getting very frustrated with the issues that they were having on their systems. And in my experience, a lot of the issues um, were legitimately frustrating, but a lot of the, the more emotional aspects of the client experience and that, that client reaction that we were seeing were due to, in my you know, in my experience, misaligned expectations. Clients yeah. were coming into these systems and they were they were spending a lot of money on them, and they expected things to just work, and they didn't necessarily have this intuitive understanding that we all do as integrators that there are lots of reasons why clients can experience problems, and many of those reasons, in fact, I'd argue most of those reasons. Have nothing to do with poor workmanship or faulty equipment. It's just the nature of these systems. They're highly interconnected. Um, they're highly dependent on outside factors like internet service and cable providers and servers on you know other people's servers and things like that. And so, as an integrator. Uh, You're in this really tough spot where, like, you're selling these clients very expensive high end systems that they just expect to work. But ultimately, there are a lot of things out of your control that are going to lead to it not always working perfectly. And you're not going to be able to fix that. You're never going to be able to make these systems work perfectly. So, what lever do you have? To pull on in order to um, make that client experience better and less fraught with those really high emotion, high frustration um, incidents. And really what that comes down to is managing expectations. It's one of our core values at One Vision that communication solves problems. And one of the big things that we see is that clients who have proper expectations set from the very beginning of the relationship tend to have a lot less of those highly emotionally charged Reactions. They sort of understand coming into it what they're buying, and they just are better prepared uh, to deal with those with those situations. So that's always been a core tenet of ours at One Vision, and since the day that we started um, helping our partners manage the what we call sort of the service challenge or the service problem, is that you know ultimately. Uh, managing those expectations from the very beginning of the relationship is the key. Now, where where does this tie into ProVision? So ultimately, even though that's been a core tenant of ours from the beginning, uh, prior to the release of ProVision, which is our new software uh, program, it's just sort of a CRM, marketing automation platform, Um, Ultimately, what we found was that we were coaching and guiding partners to have these conversations early in the relationship from the very first sales call and all the way through the project. But the systems that we were providing weren't necessarily set up to support them in that endeavor. So we can talk again more specifically about Mm -hmm. what ProVision is and the features that it offers. Uh, But ultimately, one of the core tenets of it was let's get upstream let's provide our partners with better tools and better support in order to facilitate those service conversations early and often throughout the client relationship.
0: Yeah, so you so you go from just having a conversation and in in the best scenario your dealer um, customer, one vision's dealer customer gets it and they say yeah, we'll we'll definitely bring that up early in the process but then actually giving them some better tools to go through what, what are the packages from the beginning and maybe even sign some documentation that says, I agree that we're going to do this um, yep. early, right? So you're not waiting until the end after maybe the project take, takes a little longer. Something, other frustrations occur and they're like, what? You guys should be done. I don't want to deal with the service. <laughs> yeah, the things that always happen with human beings. But what, what, it, what it needs to be is something early on when everyone's calm, when they're already in a, in a spending mode, um. Here, here's here's what what our principles are here's how we do it and here I need you to um, pick a package and we're gonna do that after we're done with you we'll continue to work with you and provide that kind of service what which one do you want <laughs> so it, it, there's a kind of a good summary of how that works
1: Yeah, there's there's a, sort of like you alluded to, there's a window of opportunity at the beginning of the relationship. So if you're waiting until the end of the project to do things like present service, maybe get a credit card gathered if you're offering service plans, get a terms of service signed, anything related to service, if you're sort of shoehorning that into the end of the project, that's a really tough time to do it. Because if you zoom out and think about it from a human perspective the client is super busy. They're moving into a home. They've probably got half a dozen other contractors vying for their time. They've got movers. It's just a highly stressful environment. And then on the integrator side, it's also a really difficult time because you know, the punch list is is growing and not shrinking mm-hmm. at that point and you're stressed out and you're just trying to get the job buttoned up and get your guys on to the next one because there's, you know, real business needs in order to keep the business moving, you got to keep the projects moving. And and so it's just a really stressful and chaotic time. And so really the the time to bring up service and get all of these administrative tasks taken care of, like the terms of service agreement, getting the credit card put on file for the membership, those sorts of things, is really at the beginning of the relationship. Now, we've got an industry full of people who are phenomenally good at selling projects. I mentioned earlier that I only had moderate success (laughs) as a salesperson, and so I've seen what good salespeople are able to do, and it's really impressive. Like These are not easy sales to make. They're highly complex and highly custom. And and again, we've got an industry full of people that are really, really good at that. But selling service is a different paradigm. And if you're a leader of a company and you want to get service plans implemented into the DNA of your business, you have to remember that selling these service plans is a fundamentally different experience for your sales team. And so we found that it was really important as we developed Provision to provide our partners with. A set of tools that really provide sales enablement and sales support from the beginning of the relationship. So our partners are able to go in uh, from the moment they start a proposal, they'll enter clients into ProVision, the CRM, and that basically initiates uh, a smart, intelligent email automation campaign. That first email goes out, it's very general, it kind of welcomes the client, thanks them for the opportunity uh, to provide them a proposal. But then from a high level, at every critical stage in the client lifecycle from there forward. So when the proposal gets signed, when the project nears completion, when the punch list is complete, all of these critical milestones. We have emails automated going out and sort of instructing the client about what to do, um, directing them to a signup page that lays out their options and provides them with ed- access to educational resources as well. So whatever route you decide to go, again, finding success with service requires that you really start looking at things From the very beginning of the client relationship and how can we support our sales and projects team uh, project teams in an effort to educate clients throughout every point of the life cycle instead of waiting until the end when as we pointed out it's already kind of too late at that point that must be such a such a great um,
0: addition to a project process to have that communication automatically going to the client giving them reassurance hey we're making progress on this project that i spending a bunch of money on and you may be seeing them if it's a retrofit in your own home and you kind of can gauge that process and progress but um maybe it's a new build and you you aren't there every day and you say oh wow we we are moving along on this thing and uh and you feel like this is the beginning of a service relationship it's, uh, this is the kind of company that I'm going to be working with and if they're, they they want to keep working with me after the project's complete I get it now they're they're good at this stuff so I could see how that's that's a really yeah. good, good re- communication tool to to add to the integrator. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, and and one of the things that I'll point out here is, you know, wh- whether you're able to go automate this stuff or not, like the narrative. What what is the core message that sort of needs to be planted in the client's head throughout every phase of that life cycle, and that is that service is really important. And mm-hmm. ultimately, there's not a company in the Industry who's going to go out and tell clients, hey, we're, we really suck at service. Like nobody's going to do that, right? Everybody's, right. If, if pressed on the question, everybody's going to say, yeah, of course we take service seriously, like obviously. But the point is, most companies aren't going to put that front and center. Most companies aren't going to be proactive and really lean into that topic. The natural tendency is just sort of shy away from it, right? Because you don't mm-hmm. want to scare the client off. And that makes a lot of sense. Like I, I get that talking about service connotes that things are going to break and that scares clients and that's tough so how do you frame that conversation how do you frame that narrative in a way that gets the point across and manages those expectations without planning undue fear in clients heads and really the core themes that that we embed in this in this narrative are that, look, every company out there is gonna tell you that service is important, but we take it really seriously. And here's what we've done uh, to make sure that you're well taken care of. We have, a, we have a comprehensive program in place where clients are able to pick from a variety of different service levels based on your individual needs and, and desires. Um, we have guaranteed response times. So if you call in 24-7, 365, you're gonna get a response within your service level agreement or your SLA. And we back that all up with a written guarantee. And here are the things that you need to do in order to get that locked in. And so again, it's not about sort of scaring clients off or telling them that, you know, painting some doomsday scenario. It's simply about planting the seed in their mind that service is important and that you guys have a structured way of handling it. Here's what that looks like.
0: Do you encourage your dealers to um, introduce One Vision as a brand or is it, Pretty much presented as their service. Their- it's entirely
1: white label. Yeah, that that's one thing that we feel like makes our offering uh, pretty unique is that 100% of what we do is is invisible to the end user. So One Vision as an entity doesn't even exist. If you're a client of one of our partners, um, we are completely invisible. So the way that it's framed to clients is, hey, you know, here at Bob's Integration Shop, we've made a big investment and we've taken strides to improve. Our service offerings, including the expansion of our team to now include a 24-7, 365 service team that you can call and get a hold of. And anytime those clients call in, we have all of our systems set up in such a way that we know exactly who's calling in and we can answer the phone in that partner's name or respond to that email in the partner's name and keep 100% of what we do completely white label uh, to the client, our interest is in supercharging the brands of our partners. We want our partners' brands to really stand out in their respective markets and so uh, a, a lot of back end work goes into making sure we preserve that white label experience um, I it took me years to 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 have my
0: own custom integrator that I worked with and and it really was uh education for me and and I have a great relationship with them and i I feel like my installer the the, the guy that Managed my project, the original project, is is the one that I'm most comfortable with. Um, I would imagine that's a challenge for the uh, the idea of outsourcing your service is that kind of the the client's um, maybe inclination to contact that individual at at the custom integrator as opposed to going through the proper channels. So some of the training is sort of breaking that little umbilical cord uh, <laughs> relationship. And, yeah having it be through this no now you're using this app (laughs) stop calling us directly but uh you know what i mean like does that cause some trouble Challenges sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely difficult. But I will. uh, The the first thing I'll say is that it's not as difficult as most uh, partners think it's going to be when they come on the platform. So what we what we see over and over again is that the majority of clients adjust very easily, and then you always have a a minority of clients who have a little bit of a harder time with that adjustment. But even with those clients, you know, uh, number one. So I think two things that I would point out here. Number one is what clients. I think what really all of us want at the end of the day is it's not so much that we want to talk to an individual person. It's that we want a smooth, friction-free experience and a reliable experience. And the fact, Jeremy, that like you are comfortable with that one particular project manager uh, is just a proxy for I, Jeremy, like convenience. I like things to be easy when I have an issue. right, And it just so happens that calling and talking to my project manager is the easiest way because we've built that relationship and he knows me and he knows my home. And so that's great. Well, if we can replicate the fact that uh, that person has that sort of uh, uh, not not as close of a relationship, like our, our support team is never going to have as close of a relationship as you're going to have with that individual. But we certainly have a lot of systems on the back end built to promote familiarity and uh, create that friction-free experience and then ultimately talking to clients is is point number two and if i were just to sort of role play this for a minute if i was your integrator jeremy and we were going to this new model and it was going to be a case moving forward where we needed you to stop calling that project manager and start calling the dedicated uh service department The story that I would tell you is basically, Jeremy, we know that you love talking to your project manager, and we've been really happy to be able to provide that for you for years. But we're getting to a point in our industry where it's just really difficult. There are so many moving parts in our systems, and we're a successful company with a lot of projects and a lot of clients out there. And we're just really having a hard time keeping up with that model. And so ultimately, this move that we're making does not mean that your project manager is no longer available to you. He's still here, and you're still going to be able to get a hold of him if the situation uh, warrants that. But ultimately, he's also really busy. He has a family. He's going on vacations. He has a million other projects that he's doing. And we simply cannot guarantee to you that he's always going to be available when in the moment that you need help. What I can guarantee to you is that if you call this new number that we have set up, 24-7, 365, you will always be able to get a hold of somebody, and that person's always going to be there to take care of you. And then again, your project manager is going to be available as an escalation, escalation path if that is needed. And so generally, that's how we coach and encourage our partners to have those conversations with that minority of clients who do tend to have a, a bit of a harder time making that adjustment. So how has ProVision
0: been um, embraced and absorbed into uh, your OneVision dealer base so far?
1: Uh, Really great. Yeah, the feedback that we have has been awesome. Uh, I sort of alluded to this earlier, so I'll I'll recap quickly and not rehash it. But again, generally speaking, our systems, we've always coached uh, partners to have these conversations early and often, but our systems prior to ProVision didn't really support that. So we had mechanisms in place that were really built around the end of the project. And as I alluded to before, the problem that we saw was that that end of the project was just really a chaotic time. And we got a lot of feedback from partners that was like, hey, You know, these administrative things that need to be taken care of, getting a credit card on file, finalizing the membership selection, getting the terms of service accepted. um, We'd be a lot better off if we could get those things taken care of earlier in the relationship. We have clients who have their wallets open. They're already in that frame of mind. They're signing agreements. Everybody's calm, like you said, Jeremy. And so if you guys can build a tool that's going to help us get these things taken care of at the beginning of the relationship instead of at the end of the project, we're all going to be better for it. And so that really inspired us to go dig into this project. And again, the whole idea was let's get upstream. Let's provide our partners with better tools to manage that client relationship, starting at the earliest phase and really planting the seed about service uh, early and often. And uh, the feedback that we've gotten from partners has been great. We're really just getting started. Um, ultimately, we've got big visions for, uh, for ProVision and a lot that we still want to do there. But the feedback on our on our initial release has been has been really great.
0: Well, great. I, I don't usually wrap up this way, but I do feel like um, you, you've got so many great uh, concepts that need to be covered here so people really understand what good, good service is all about. Is there anything we didn't touch upon that uh, you'd like to mention before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, I think just quickly, you know, I I spent a lot of time here today talking about taking this holistic view and kind of looking at at service through that lens of how do we plant that seed uh, with our clients starting at the beginning. But ultimately, I don't want to completely discount the fact that some element of improving your service offerings to clients does involve zooming in and looking at your specific service operations. So making sure uh, that you're looking at it through that lens and again drawing on my personal experience as an integrator service teams often are left really swimming upstream perpetually it is i would argue one of the most difficult roles in an integration company to be tasked with service and anything that you can do to better manage client expectations uh, provide your uh, service team with better access to tools and information. Another part of ProVision that we've built is called our ProVision Zendesk app. So it's, it's really plugging all of that critical client information right there into the ticketing system so that your frontline support teams have access to that information at their fingertips. So really... Again, making sure that your service team has easy access to all of the critical information that they need, that clients are entering that phase of the relationship with clearly managed expectations, and that you're doing everything you can to really listen to your service team and understand the challenges that they're dealing with and taking proactive steps to address those. Because at the end of the day, service is the lion's share of the client relationship. The sales and project phases are finite. The service relationship is infinite. If you do it right, the client's never going to leave you, and they're going to be in that service relationship for a lot longer than they are any other phase. So, anything that you can do to make that part of your business more profitable and efficient um, is going to go a long ways to to making your company um, a better place to work at and a company that attracts repeat business and referrals, um, you know, more so than than your competitors.
0: That's a great message. Um, really, really wise words, uh, Jason. Thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate you having me. Thanks for the time.
0: Jason Griffing is Director of Product at One Vision Resources. You can learn more about the company at onevisionresources.com. And that wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.